Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell. My presentation today is, is going to be talking about the recent work that my laboratory has done looking at hematopoietic stem cell aging. And you all know this already, uh, but I, I think it's pertinent to point out that at a global level, lifespan is increasing. So if you look at the picture of the U.S., for example, uh, the proportion of population aged 60 years or older is projected to increase up to above 25 percent of the population by 2050. And while uh, all of us having longer lifespans is a wonderful uh, accomplishment of medicine, there's an inherent challenge in managing an aging population, and that's the challenge of health span. So this is really showing uh, this schematic here, the, the difference between, in the U.S., the average health span versus average lifespan. And here, average health span is defined as the number of years in which you are free from chronic disease that represent the leading causes of death in elderly populations. So this includes diseases like type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's disease and dementias, and cancer. And so you can imagine the scenario where we have a larger aged population that we're essentially expanding the number of people that are susceptible to these diseases. So what we really think about in our lab is uh, how can we improve health span um, to narrow the gap between health span and lifespan and to ensure healthy function of our systems um, later in life. And we approach this from the perspective of the hematopoietic system, which obviously provides a critical function um, in numerous ways to our bodies, including the immune system and transport of oxygen to our tissues. So what we know is that in the context of aging, there is a decline in function of the immune system and decline in red blood cell production, which can lead to anemia in elderly populations, and a decline in antibody production, which has particular relevance to um, response to vaccination. So there's a general decline in robust function of the system. And at the same time, there's an increased risk and increased incidence of uh, diseases and disorders of the system, including cancer. So this is illustrated by these incidence graphs on the bottom in the U.S. Um, with increasing age, you have an increased uh, susceptibility or risk of developing myelodysplastic syndrome or bone marrow, bone marrow failure and acute myeloid leukemia, which is a, a type of blood cancer. And so what do we know about aging with respect to stem cells and hematopoietic stem cells? We know quite a lot um, because this work was, you know, uh, been coming out in the field since 1996. And uh, what we know, and I'll put this into perspective of the broader hematopoietic system, is that with aging, there is a shift in production of mature cell types and composition of mature cell types uh, toward myeloid lineage production. And this is sometimes called myeloid biased hematopoiesis. You may have heard that before. And this myeloid biased hematopoiesis uh, is thought to come at the expense of production of some of the other key lineages of the system, including erythrocytes or red blood cells and lymphocytes, including T cells and B cells. 
Now, if you look in the hematopoietic stem cell population with age, here I've wrote uh, LTHSC, which stands for long-term hematopoietic stem cells. Uh, what is known and, and well described in the literature is that if you use cell surface marker phenotypes to define your hematopoietic stem cell population, you'll see an expansion in the frequency and total number of those cells um, in the bone marrow. This is most work done in, my, in, in mouse models, um, but some work done in human settings as well. While there is an increased frequency and number of those cells, uh, it's been well documented that they are, have a reduced functional capacity in at least a couple of different ways. So one is that they have a reduced homing to the bone marrow, and another is that they have a reduced ability to regenerate upon transplant, meaning uh, produce the robustly all of the mature uh, composition of the hematopoietic system. And uh, furthermore, as I spoke about myeloid lineage bias in the mature uh, compartments, you also see that, uh, people have also seen that in the hematopoietic stem cell population as well. So there's evidence of a myeloid lineage bias already observed in the stem cell pool. And that has been shown at the functional level, at the molecular level, um, and, and through various additional cell surface markers. And so uh, work a couple of years ago that uh, my lab focused on was to really examine the progenitor cell compartments. And what we found was that even at the level of progenitor cells, um, there's also uh, numerous alterations that are associated with this general trend toward myeloid bias in the context of aging in the hematopoietic system. So what we found that was that there was a specific decrease in a progenitor population that is lymphoid primed that should normally give rise to mature lymphocytes. And these lymphoid primed progenitors become uh, biased, in fact, toward myeloid cell production instead of lymphoid cell production in the context of aging. So coming out of this work, uh, we uh, actually took a, took a bit of a step back um, in the field and, and asked, what did we know? What do we not know? And what are the assumptions that we carry? Um, how can we figure out uh, points of intervention in the context of aging to improve functionality of stem and progenitor cells? So we came up with this um, sort of broad goal for the lab, which is to determine how to first improve regenerative function of aged hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells and limit their this myeloid bias hematopoiesis. And we thought at the same time, and maybe in parallel, we may learn something about how to prevent blood cancers from being initiated within these cellular compartments, because many of the types of blood cancers, including AML, are thought to arise from stem and progenitor cell populations. So for the purposes of my talk today, um, it's a shorter talk, so I'm going to focus on the first part um, of that uh, goal, and hopefully can come back and tell you about the second part another time. So when we think about when and how does hematopoietic stem cell function decline in the context of aging, what we realize from the literature is that many studies have done a more binary comparison looking at differences between mature adult animals and mice three to six months of age and old mice, uh, 18 to 24 months of age. But between those two, um, you know, young mice and old mice, uh, there are many, many, many differences, and we didn't get a very good sense of um, 
you know, so which come first, which are the initiating events, which are subsequent events, if you wanted to attempt to intervene in that process, which of the many mechanisms that are found to be different between young and old, would you really go after? So we decided to take a step back and do a cross-sectional study um, to answer this in a, in a more unbiased way. And so what we did was we took down groups of mice um, that we had in our mouse colony, anywhere from two to four months of age, all the way through to 23 months of age. And all the data that I'm showing you today um, is on female mice. And if you're interested, we can talk about differences between males and females, and there are differences between males and females. Um, But what we learned from doing this study initially is that one of the phenotypes of aging, which I already told you about, myeloid bias hematopoiesis, while we certainly see it in old animals, you can see a significant increase in myeloid cell production in the hematopoietic system already by nine to 12 months of age, which we really think about as middle age or early middle age in these mice. In addition, when we looked at the phenotype that I mentioned of phenotypic stem cell expansion, so uh, stem cells defined based on cell surface markers, we also find that those are increased in frequency I'm showing here, but also total numbers already in this age group of mice. This is 12 to 14 months um, of age of mice, but this is middle-aged essentially. Uh, One of the other hallmarks of hematopoietic stem cell aging that's been reported by numerous groups in the literature is accumulation of gamma H2X foci uh, in the nuclei of hematopoietic stem cells. And so we also looked at this phenotype comparing young and middle-aged animals, and we see robust um, accumulation within long-term hematopoietic stem cells of of these gamma H2X foci. So taken together, this data suggested to us that Already by middle age, many of what we would consider to be hallmarks of hematopoietic stem cell aging are already observed. And so we next asked, uh, this has been um, an interesting question in, in many stem cell fields, many different types of stem cells, and Amy touched on this also, is whether these uh, aging-associated phenotypes are really driven by cell autonomous or hematopoietic stem cell or stem cell intrinsic mechanisms, or are they really dictated by um, differences in selection pressure or environmental signals that are coming from outside of the stem cell population itself? So we decided to look at this. We know, um, and you may all know already, that hematopoietic stem cells exist in a quite complex bone marrow microenvironment where they're both physically interacting with different cell populations and cell types, but also receiving signals, growth factors, and other things produced by different populations of cells within the bone marrow microenvironment. And this cumulatively is really important to maintain proper stem cell function. And so we decided to ask the question, of the middle-aged phenotypes we observed at middle age um, in the hematopoietic stem cell pool, are these driven by hematopoietic stem cell intrinsic changes or is this driven by um, the bone marrow microenvironment? And so we did uh, what's called a reciprocal bone marrow transplant or purified hematopoietic stem cell transplant, where we can take stem cells from young donor mice and transplant them into either young donor recipients, so preserving the age of the stem cells in the environment, or uh, transplant them into middle-aged recipients, so their young stem cells in an older environment. And you can also do the the converse, so to take hematopoietic stem cells from middle-aged mice and return them back into a young uh, bone marrow microenvironment. 
And so what we found is that at first of all, in terms of what I'll call regenerative capacity of the stem cells. So this is really the ability of stem cells to remake um, the uh, entire hematopoietic compartment in these mice. Uh, when you look at the controls middle age compared to young, you can see, as I told you, an agent in the context of aging, a reduction in function of middle-aged stem cells, and particularly in a middle-aged environment in those recipients. However, you'll see here that when you take those middle-aged stem cells and, and put them into a young recipient animal, um, there, you see greater and more robust regenerative capacity in terms of the ability of those stem cells to give rise to all of the mature hematopoietic cells. Furthermore, when you consider this myeloid-biased hematopoietic phenotype that I've mentioned a few times, when you compare the young controls to the middle-aged controls as shown here, clearly have myeloid-biased hematopoiesis. But you can see that by taking young stem cells and putting them into a middle-aged recipient, that you can replicate that myeloid-biased hematopoiesis. And by taking the middle-aged stem cells and putting them into a young recipient, that you can reduce um, that myeloid uh, cell overproduction coming from those stem cells. So we think that this argues for perhaps not entirely extrinsically driven, but a, certainly a significant contribution of extrinsic factors um, to driving these phenotypes at middle age. So then uh, we went on to ask, what is the basis for um, this phenotype? And is there any evidence to support that these phenotypes are occurring in stem cells? So this is really showing you that things at the mature cell level, that could be because of differences in progenitors and not necessarily differences in stem cells. So what we did was we repurified hematopoietic stem cells back out of these transplanted mice and performed RNA-seq. And this is showing the signatures, again, within the hematopoietic stem cell pool. So what you can see is in the controls, middle-aged compared to young, you see an upregulation in red here of many myeloid signatures and immune response signatures um, that are associated with this myeloid cell bias and overproduction. And when you return the middle-aged stem cells to a young, back to a young environment, you can see a reduction in expression of those same signatures. So you can rescue those uh, molecular signatures at the level of the hematopoietic stem cells um, by um, restoring them to a young environment. So how, um, <laughs> how, how does that work? Uh, so we started to ask that or try to answer that question um, by going back to uh, de novo isolated, so straight out of mice isolated uh, hematopoietic stem cells and doing some molecular assays. And here we're comparing young, so um, long-term HSEs isolated from two-month-old mice compared to 12-month-old mice compared to 22-month-old mice, so young, middle-old. And you can see that there is some overlap that we saw between the middle-aged and old. It's not a complete overlap, um, but there's some uh, similarities. Um, but we were actually most interested in what might be distinct, what emerges at middle age um, as an interesting signature uh, of things that might be initiating this uh, hematopoietic stem cell aging process and myeloid bias program. And one of the signatures that emerged that I wanted to touch on, we're going to come back to it later, is a predict predicted decrease in mTOR, mTORC1, and metabolic signatures that we found specifically in the middle-aged hematopoietic stem cells that went down from, from um, hematopoietic stem cells in young mice. Um, so the other thing that the other aspect of this data that we looked at, because I've shown, as I showed you, 
there is a contribution of cell extrinsic factors clearly to this phenotype. We used an ingenuity pathway analysis to ask might be up, what might be upstream of the, um, those transcriptional signatures. And that analysis pointed us toward a family of uh, molecules, the insulin-like growth factor family, or IGF, um, which, as I'm sure you all know, has been long implicated in aging and particularly in lifespan. And we found two of these molecules, IGF-1, IGF-2, to be predicted to be different um, in middle-aged compared to young um, uh, animals. And so we looked at first where IGF-1 and IGF-2 are expressed in the bone marrow. So this is looking both at hematopoietic and non-hematopoietic compartments. And we find that the strongest um, transcriptional signatures are in non-hematopoietic cells in the bone marrow microenvironment. So including um, adipocar cell population, fibroblast populations, um, a little bit in endothelial cells. And this is for IGF-2 here. You see uh, some other mesenchymal populations express IGF-2 as well. So this became a really that these two became really interesting candidates for us as being molecules that might be expressed by cells in the bone marrow microenvironment that have a direct influence on hematopoietic stem cells and hematopoietic stem cell aging. So we then looked at levels of these two molecules at the protein level, um, again, in um, mice over sort of a cross-section of aging. So between um, young two to four month old, all the way out to very old 26 to 28 month old animals. And while we didn't see differences in the um, levels of IGF-2 that we could detect, and this is by ELISA, we find that IGF-1 was significantly uh, decreased in the context of the local bone marrow fluid uh, with aging, and that that decrease was already found to be significant when you compare middle age to young mice. So this uh, became really interesting to us, also coupled with the fact that um, the signatures, as I showed you on the last slide, were related to metabolism, which is very closely connected with the known function of IGF-1. So we decided to go after this molecule, uh, IGF-1, as a potential driver. And we started out with a series of transplant experiments um, to test whether reducing IGF-1 locally in the bone marrow microenvironment would be sufficient to drive hematopoietic and hematopoietic stem cell aging phenotypes. And so we started out by transplanting wild-type hematopoietic stem cells into mice that were deficient for IGF-1. And this is using a tamoxifen-inducible, but uh, pan-tissue Cree. So it's not a tissue-specific Cree. And so what we find when we take uh, wild-type cells and put them into that environment, which our hypothesis is that this should mimic an aging environment, we see a myeloid biased hematopoiesis. So an expansion of uh, myeloid cells in the peripheral blood and a reduction in the proportion of B cells um, in the peripheral blood of these transplant recipients. Now, this was not a perfect system um, in terms of local versus systemic sources of IGF-1 because this uh, tamoxifen-inducible CRE would also result in loss of IGF-1 production from the liver, which is the main source of circulating IGF-1, which could you know, confound our phenotype. So we used a second Cree, which is a Nestin Cree, which does not recombine in the liver. So you should maintain systemic 
um, circulating levels of IGF-1, but this should result in a decline in IGF-1 and more in the local bone marrow microenvironment. And what we find when we transplant wild type cells into those recipient mice is a similar pattern. So we see a myeloid bias um, in terms of uh, hematopoietic production in these animals and a decline in B cell production. And furthermore, to demonstrate that this has a contribution of, of stem cells to this phenotype, and it's not just a progenitor phenotype, we went on to do secondary transplants uh, of hematopoietic stem cells and find a similar lineage bias in the mature cells produced from those hematopoietic stem cells. So uh, expansion of myeloid composition and a decline in B lymphoid composition. So what I've shown you is that if you um, reduce or lose IGF-1 in the marrow microenvironment, that you can replicate a hematopoietic aging phenotype. Um, but one of our uh, key aspects of our model that we haven't tested yet is that that IGF-1 um, production can directly signal to hematopoietic stem cells themselves. So this phenotype that I'm showing you could also be explained by the loss of IGF-1 having effects on other cell populations that then have an indirect effect on the um, hematopoietic output. So to test this concept, uh, we used IGF-1 receptor knockout mice as donors and isolated hematopoietic stem cells from those animals and transplanted them into wild-type recipient mice. So in this case, we're losing uh, the capacity of these cells, these hematopoietic stem cells, to have IGF-1 signaling by knocking out the receptor. And what we see um, is very similar to what I showed you in the last slide, which is a myeloid-biased hematopoiesis um, assessed in the peripheral blood expansion of, um, of myeloid cells and a decline in the proportion of B cells. So together, we interpret this to, to mean that the decline in IGF-1 in the context of aging, and particularly at middle age, can and does have a direct signaling effect onto the long-term hematopoietic stem cells that promotes this um, myeloid-biased hematopoiesis phenotype. So that's all well and good, but does it work the other way? So could you um, improve hematopoietic function and reduce myeloid lineage bias by stimulating this pathway um, and stimulating with IGF-1. And so we started, um, started small uh, by stimulating with IGF-1 on purified long-term hematopoietic stem cells ex vivo for short periods of time. This is a 20-minute stimulation because we wanted to, again, convince ourselves and, and prove to ourselves that long-term HSCs do have the capacity to directly respond to IGF-1. And so this is looking at phosphorylation of the IGF-1 receptor, um, and these are long-term HSCs isolated from middle-aged mice, and we do see phosphorylation in response to IGF-1 stimulation. We also see phosphorylation of AKT. I, don't, I, I won't show you all the data, but phosphorylation of AKT, which is downstream um, of the IGF-1 receptor signaling. And we also observed a reduction in the gamma H2AX foci, which I showed you as one of the um, hallmarks uh, that have been observed in hematopoietic stem cell aging. So let's get to the functional data because I think that's the more believable data anyway. So the hematopoietic stem cells that you isolate from middle-aged mice, we stimulated with IGF-1, transplanted them into recipient mice, both primary and secondary transplant recipients. And what we observed in the primary transplant recipients was a reduction in the output of myeloid cells 
and a significant increase in the production of B cells um, in those recipient animals. And again, to test whether this is a stem cell mediated phenotype, we performed secondary transplants and find uh, similarly a reduction in myeloid cell production and a boost in both um, B and T lymphoid lineage uh, production in these animals, suggesting that targeting this pathway or promoting signaling through this pathway might be beneficial for hematopoietic stem cells um, in terms of their uh, lineage output and in terms of restoring production of lymphoid cell types coming from hematopoietic stem cells. So we uh, wanted to further uh, interrogate the mechanism by which IGF-1 may be doing this. And you'll remember from earlier in my slides, I showed you at the transcriptional level in middle-aged long-term HSCs, a downregulation of signatures associated with mTOR and mTORC1 signaling. And so we did some, um, this is a TAC-seq, uh, but the, the RNA-seq data looks quite similar in terms of signature enrichment, that when we take long-term HSCs from middle-aged mice and stimulate them with IGF-1 for a relatively short time frame, um, that we see a boost in restoration in this mTOR, mTORC1 signaling signature, as well as some um, metabolic signatures as well, um, fatty acid metabolism. And so uh, based on this data, we were interested to actually look at the um, mitochondria. And uh, we decided to look at this in our um, young and middle-aged long-term HSCs. And so what we see, um, so this is um, using mitodendra 2, which is a fluorescent uh, marker of uh, essentially labels mitochondria. And you can look in the zoomed in version. Um, evidence of mitochondrial fragmentation within the, these are cell-sorted long-term hematopoietic stem cells, uh, mitochondrial fragmentation phenotypes when you compare middle-aged to young long-term HSCs. And this is quantitated by what's called mitochondria sphericity. So it's, it's really how, how circular and spherical those individual mitochondria are uh, within the hematopoietic stem cell. And so you can see an increased sphericity uh, being associated with fragmentation of mitochondrial networks. So it happens when we take middle-aged uh, hematopoietic stem cells and stimulate them with IGF-1 uh, is that we see a restoration of this, um, of some of these networks, um, or, or, you know, it's a, a phenotypes associated with restoration of these networks. So we see a reduction in the mitochondrial sphericity uh, phenotypes, specifically within the long-term HSC population. So this made us think of a paper from Tariq Envir's group, which was published around the same time that we were doing this work. And they were looking at young and old hematopoietic stem cells and had a very interesting association between mitochondrial function, these like really cute mitochondria here, mitochondrial function and lineage production um, in terms of uh, this idea of lineage biased hematopoiesis. So what they found was that in old hematopoietic stem cells with these sad, tired mitochondria, that they uh, are uh, there's an association with myeloid bias, and that if you can restore functionality of those mitochondria, that those that the stem cells become more um, lineage balanced and more um, likely to produce uh, lymphoid cell types. So. We decided to test this in a, in, a, in a way to look at whether myeloid and lymphoid biased hematopoietic stem cell populations might be differentially responsive to IGF-1. And so what we did was we took from middle-aged mice um, based on 
this um, molecule CD150, uh, it's been shown in the literature that you can use this to segregate myeloid biased stem cell populations from lymphoid biased stem cell populations. So the myeloid biased are CD150 high and the lymphoid biased are CD150 um, low or uh, intermediate. So we sorted single cells into um, a, a well of, of many 96 cell plates and stimulated these with or without IGF-1 and then looked at the time to um, first division of these cells. And what we observed was that the myeloid biased HSCs didn't really resp respond very robustly to IGF-1 in this assay, whereas the lymphoid biased HSCs had a strong uh, response, positive response to IGF-1, which uh, indicates to us that it may be that there's a subset of hematopoietic stem cells that have lymphoid potential that are inherently responsive to IGF-1. And that remains an ongoing area of investigation and excitement in the lab is to figure out whether that potential, that lymphoid biased HSC potential is intrinsically programmed and uh, sort of set, or whether that program can be manipulated, and if so, how. So I'll um, summarize that I've shown you the middle-aged bone marrow microenvironment can regulate uh, hematopoietic stem cell lineage composition and function, and that reduced IGF-1 in middle age is a cause of and can be targeted to ameliorate myeloid-biased hematopoiesis, and we think that may be by selective expansion of lymphoid-biased hematopoietic stem cells. So uh, I just wanted to show this is a piece of art that we um, submitted as a cover image, and it didn't get chosen for the cover of this story, but I really love it. And so I try to show it when, when I can. This was inspired by Edward Hopper's Cape Cod Morning. And you can see this um, young woman who represents our hematopoietic stem cell looking out on sort of a destructive um, environment and uh, uh, thinking about how that's going to negatively impact our future, her future. And that's sort of how we're thinking about um, hematopoietic stem cell aging and, and the role of the bone marrow microenvironment and decline in the environment in facilitating um, stem cell aging. So with that, I'd like to thank the people in my lab who did the work. This was primarily the work of a postdoc in the lab, that's Kira Young, and uh, I'd like to thank our funding sources, particularly the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and um, the NIH, and want to thank a collaborator as well, Marie-Dominique Philippi, who really helped us with our mitochondrial uh, morphology and imaging experiments. Thanks very much.